up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. That's right, you're listening to Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm about to get into my boat, travel upriver to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass, and with me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi everyone, as Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate those movies on our unique system. The system is as follows. It is a unique system. It's unique. Listen. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we give that a dare. Double dare is for a truly atrocious movie, and a reverse dare is for a despised movie that we actually kind of like. Today on the podcast, we are reviewing Jean-Claude Van Damme in the 1994 video game adaptation Street Fighter. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners, and we'll offer some final thoughts on recent episodes. But before we get started... Dan's going to talk about his beer. I'll talk a little bit about my beer. We have different beers. Uh, We both got deliveries, though. I got a delivery from one of my favorite breweries in Monterey slash Salinas, Alvarado Street. Got a case of beer from them last week. Still working my way through that. This beer is Cool Runoffs. Fantastic, fantastic double IPA. It's hazy. You can see it. Oh, it's gorgeous. Look at that. Beautiful, hazy, uh, golden color. And man, this beer is so good. It, it is just, it's frosty, it's delicious, it's fruity, it's complex, it's got everything going for it. What do you got over there? My delivery came straight from the island of Skull, Skull Island, King Kong Brewery in North Sac. <laughs> they delivered me an El Campeo Lager. It's a Primo Lager. And oh my God, it's so smooth. This goes down. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble with these. <laughs> Good day for a beer like that. Good day for any beer while you're in quarantine. That's what I say. Support local breweries. Get their deliveries. So let's move on to our listener dares, our fantastic listeners. You have been sending these to us at daredaniel.com. You have been on the Schmied. Schmied, Corky, yeah. spreading like wildfire. I figure, yes. I mean, Oxford English Dictionary reached out to you, right, that they're adding this word for 2020? Schmied? There's, there's talk of – well, it's all political. <laughs> I mean – Brexit. Maybe 2021. I just don't see it for 2020. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's the whole Oxford thing, right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they're going to take someone who went to Sacramento State uh, at Oxford and take his word. (laughs) No, they're going to take some rich kid from some legacy uh, podcast. They're going to take an Eaton fella. His words. Get get, get in there. You sons of bitches. You know it's true. All right, so let's read these dares from our fantastic listeners. Uh, You're not sons of bitches. You're marvelous people. You've been sending us these dares. You're schmeeding them. You're uh, texting them. You're just sending. I've gotten some just through thoughts, I feel. Like people are just kind of communicating through thoughts. I don't know. I saw a rainbow the other day. I thought that might have been I did a open a fortune I cookie. The, I see dares everywhere. A, a fortune cookie the other day. <laughs> and just inside it said, Distinguished Gentleman starring Eddie Murphy. And I was like, <laughs> shout out? Is this a dare? Uh, pretty sure I went over 12 on that one. <laughs> But our first dare comes to us from Kelly Johnson. Kelly Johnson. Do you know Kelly Johnson? Kelly with an I, K-E-L-L-I Do not. Do you know this person? Do not know this person. um, I believe I follow this person on Facebook now. They're a supporter of the show. They love the show. Huge supporter of the show. Send us a dare. What do you got, Kelly, with an I? Kelly has Jack Frost. Jack Frost, the 1997 horror movie, not the 1998 family comedy Starring Michael Keaton as a CGI snowman. Now, this was the 97 horror film directed by Michael Cooney. No relation to George Clooney. Their names are spelled uh, completely different. And starring Scott McDonald. No relation to Ray Kroc of McDonald's fame. <laughs> okay, good. Um, not even the same. No, no letters. Also really played by Michael there, Keaton. I <laughs> With Christopher Alport. Please do not confuse Christopher Alport. With the great actor Christopher Lee, who starred as Dracula. I don't do that. <laughs> and Stephen Mendel, who we all know and love. Uh, why, Kelly Johnson, do you want us to watch Jack Frost? He says, Jack Frost. <laughs> Jack Frost is one of the best worst movies I have ever seen. It's about an escaped murderer turned killer snowman who haunts a tiny town with the most incompetent police force of all time. The kill scenes are unforgettable, and it stars a young Shannon Elizabeth. Sold! This movie has become an annual tradition for me. Every year I try to convince family and friends who have never seen it to watch it with me. It's a movie that you just can't forget. It even has a sequel. It's one of those movies. Uh, IMDb synopsis of Jack Frost, the 97 version. After an accident that left murderer Jack Frost dead... Oh, what? 
After an ac- accident that left mur- I'm just going to read it. After an accident that left murder Jack Frost dead in genetic material, the vengeful killer returns as a murder snowman to exact his revenge on the man who sent him to be executed no period. <laughs> that is the verbatim synopsis that is on IMDb for Jack Frost is just nonsense. Um, have you ever seen Jack Frost? I have not, Either but I'm interested in the sequel. You're more interested in the sequel. You, it's, it's the even Jack Frost. I'm going to buy yeah. <laughs> really good, right? It's, it's, one of, it's one of those Star Trek things. What t- Possible names for a Jack Frost sequel. Go. Jack Frost 2, Deadly Thaw. <laughs> Got nothing. <laughs> no, I've never seen it, but it sounds miserable. It really does. looks miserable, too. So, Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for supporting the show. This there comes to us from David Paul. Not only is David Paul... My best friend. He's also a friend of the show. One of the best friends of the show. I mean, I don't want to play favorites, but David Paul is my best friend. I just mentioned Do you and the show ever fight over who's actually his best friend? We do often. We often do. That's why I don't listen to other podcasts. It's just I'm so embittered by my my battles with my own show. I mean, some (laughs) fucking Charlie Kaufman-ass shit here, right? Talk about going down a wormhole. But David's blameless. I mean, it's it's not his fault. He's just that good of a friend to everybody. DP is blameless in all matters. All matters. This is what I found. Uh, but David Paul, of course, also a monthly, one of our monthly donors. Five dollars right. a month, every every day a month. DP just ponies up that fin, and uh, that's why we love you so much, David Paul. One of the reasons we love you so much. So, what do you got for us? What are you torturing us with this time, David Paul? David Paul has Doolittle. Hey, Doolittle. This movie came out earlier this year. It came out in January this year. Of course, it stars Robert Downey Jr. as Doctor Doolittle. That's where they got the title. Somehow, the box office did less. <laughs> Folks, I'm going home. Yeah, classic, classic box office humor. Uh, IMDb synopsis of Doolittle, a physician who can talk to animals embarks on an adventure to find a legendary island with a young apprentice and a crew of strange pets. (laughs) Why, David Paul, why, dear why, did you want us to watch this movie? He says, I know a lot of people still think of Robert Downey Jr. as nothing more than the son of Morton Downey Jr., but I'm here to tell you he's breaking out of his father's substantial shadow in the 2020 production of Dr. Doodle. Get this, guys. Robert Downey Jr.'s character in this movie talks to animals. Like, when he goes ooh-ooh-ah-ah at a gorilla, he's actually talking to the gorilla. It's pretty crazy stuff, guys. Yours respectfully, Jan Michael Vincent. Thank you so much, <laughs> DP, JMV. My best bud, uh, thank you for this dare of Doolittle. And David Paul, I got a sneaking suspicion that this dare might just make the cut. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, DP, and thank you for the donations. And now, our feature presentation. Street Fighter! This movie was dared to us by longtime listener and fan of the show, Jana Sinclair, who's dared us some great films that we've watched and reviewed. She says, This movie introduced me to piracy as I taped it from HBO in 1995. What I thought was a great movie as a kid somehow became an even better movie as an adult. It's a truly schlocky action movie that bears little resemblance to the game it's inspired from, but still manages to have genuinely good bits in it, like Zangief's one-liners and Raul Julia's final performance. After all the turds I and so many others have sent your way, hopefully this one will bring a little joy in your lives. The IMDb synopsis for Street Fighter! Colonel Guile and various other martial arts heroes fight against the tyranny of dictator M. Bison and his cohorts. Yes, this week's movie is Street Fighter from 1994. It was written and directed by Stephen E. D'Souza. It was his debut. I don't think it was actually his debut. It was like his first actual major movie. He made some kind of festival movie when he was a kid. But D'Souza is best known as a prolific script doctor in the 80s and early 90s. His thing was that he was usually brought on to add quips to like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and things like that. Like So in the, all the Arnold Schwarzenegger quips are like Stephen E. D'Souza one-liners, you know? This makes a lot more sense. This movie makes a lot more sense now. Oh, right, yeah. So he has, D'Souza had... Not that many solo writing credits, but he did credited and a lot of times uncredited work on movies like 48 Hours, Commando, Jumping Jack Flash, Running Man, The First Two Diehards, Hudson Hawk, and Ricochet. 
1994, though, the sort of high-octane action comedies that D'Souza specialized in sort of fell out of favor, and that's evidenced by his outfit in 1994, which is script doctor work on The Flintstones, solo script credit on Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Street Fighter, which he also directed. And Street Fighter really uh, asked the question, what is the visual sensibility of a person who writes quips for Arnold Schwarzenegger? (laughs) And the answer is that he has none. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Yeah, there is none. There is no. Set in the fictional Southeast Asian nation of Shadaloo, the film stars Jean-Claude Van Damme as Colonel Guile, Raul Julia as M. Bison, Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li, also features Dare Daniel favorite Kylie Minogue. Yeah! Of Biodome fame, mainly because the movie was filmed in Queensland and the Australian Actors Guild said do it. Um, Raul Julia underwent surgery for stomach cancer before the shoot. He does not look good in this movie, and he died of a stroke at the age of 54 just two months before the film opened. And because of his condition, they kind of completely had to change the shooting schedule of this movie, which left no time for anyone in the cast to be trained in... Things like street fighting <laughs> and being a street fighter. Uh, and it shows. It, it does if you really I don't know. They that. expertly cut around all that. <laughs> Film was released December 23rd, 1994. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's an 11 on Rotten Tomatoes. Didn't do great in America. $33.4 million against a $35 million production budget. Grossed a little under $100 million when you include worldwide. So not horrible, but definitely not a hit. Most of the budget for the movie came from Capcom, maker of the video game. $8 million alone went to Van Damme, and he did not earn it. Uh, fun fact, Hammer and Dion Sanders made a song for the film called Straight to My Feet. Straight to My Feet. Uh, the music video, which I will uh, post the link in the show post, features John claude Van Damme dancing in the club. Oh, God, Lord. As well as shots of the film. It's, it's something else, I'll tell you. Straight to My Feet. Deion Sanders, how did that rap career ever not get off the ground? (laughs) Click the link and you will see. Uh, Another fun fact, Kylie Minogue and Van Damme hooked up on set. No, really? Apparently Van Damme was just absolutely coked out of his mind this entire time. He is barely in this movie, too. Like Raul Julia, who is like dying in front of our eyes, is in the movie more than John Clyde Van Damme, who couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Um, But anyway, here's a quote from the actor's August 2012 interview with The Guardian about the onset extramarital affair he had with the lovely Kylie Minogue. Yes, says Van Damme. Okay, yes, yes, yes. It happened. I was in Thailand. We had an affair. Sweet kiss. Beautiful lovemaking. It would be abnormal not to have had an affair. She's so beautiful, and she was there in front of me every day. (laughs) With a beautiful smile. Simpatico. So charming. (laughs) I knew Thailand very well. So I showed her by Thailand. She's a great lady. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Class act. <laughs> you heard where he called her a great lady right after he was like, yeah, I banged her. Piece of ass. How could I, take, how could I not take that? Simpatico. Well, she was in front of me every day. <laughs> I mean, she's asking for it. She took the job. How, has she confirmed head. this? Because he, he seems like the kind of guy who'd lie about it. Oh, I have uh, I have no idea. No idea. But um, it's a fun story, nonetheless. Sure. Let's just, you know, Hollywood Babylon. Let's just believe it. You got it. it. Yeah. Um, Stephen Holden of the New York Times, however, had a different quote. He referred to Street Fighter as, quote, a dreary, overstuffed hodgepodge of poorly edited martial arts sequence and sequences and often unintelligible dialogue. Corky. Yo. You got one guy saying it's a dreary, overstuffed hodgepodge. You got Jaina over here saying it's going to bring some, what, a little joy into your life. And then you got John Clavin in over here saying, I banged Kylie Minogue in Thailand while I was high on coke. Uh, who do you believe here? I mean, where do you go with? What side are you on? You got to pick one. <laughs> My opinion in this movie is most simpatico. With Jaina Sinclair's. This was a little kick in the butt. This was a fun little exercise of a bad movie. It's not, I don't see how it's like overstuffed dreariness. That's, that's not how I was. You really don't see that. No. You really don't see that. I mean, this movie is, it's not boring. It's not good, but it's not boring. 
there's a lot going on. It makes no sense. And there's plot holes you could drive one of those stealth boats through. But, oh my god, it puts a smile on my face. Uh, no smile on my face. I mean, a few, some derisive laughter, absolutely. Yeah. It's good enough for that. But it is some of the sloppiest, ugliest, just most slapdash filmmaking I have ever seen. Oh. In my life, the the direction is awful. The script is nothing but like idiotic non jokes. Like there's these jokes that aren't they're not jokes, right? And you think like this is a guy whose whole thing is writing quips, and all the quips in this movie are nonsense. They aren't even jokes. They're just somebody saying something, and it's supposed to be strange and because most of them are like you could tell they were recorded later when he's like had a better idea later on than the day of shooting. There's no sense of you know rhythm or space. Obviously, I mean he has no idea what he's doing as a as a director. Stephen E. D'Souza, no idea of how to tell a story visually, and there's like ve- precious little street fighting in this movie called Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah based on the video game Street Fighter. If you told me, um, if you told me that this movie was written, directed, edited, acted, produced by eleven year old children who also didn't speak English. <laughs> I would I would believe that. I would 100% believe that. Yeah. That would make sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But what's probably the most offensive is that, save for Raul Julia, who is literally at death's door, like they caught him in the like six-month period between when he had stomach cancer surgery and when he died of a stroke. And he's like the only one who is giving any kind of effort in this thing. No one else could even be bothered. To show up, and you're just watching Raul Julia, who just looks absolutely amazing. He's he's doing wire work. The man had stomach cancer surgery. Doing wire work. No one else can be bothered to do anything like that. It's just, it's it's pretty horrible to watch um, in that sense. So, Corky, let's get into it. The film is Street Fighter, and we begin, and you know how much I love it when movies begin like this, with a news report, Crisis. In Shadaloo. Just a great way to just kind of dump out all the plot information earlier on an audience for which you have complete contempt. Uh, and the plot information we get, drug running dictator General M. Bison, that's Raul Julia, has taken over the country. He's abducted some hostages. And Chun Li is a reporter. She's reporting on this. And Bison watches her on TV, giving her a report. Everyone's watching her on TV. This is a world report that is going out live to everyone in the world. Well, he's a news junkie. Oh, he certainly is a lot like Keanu Reeves in Destination Wedding. He just likes to hear it. He just likes the debate. He just loves a lively debate. Did you see, though, in the credits that M. Bison's uniform got its own credit? That is amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and he's wearing, of course, like, you know, the kind of classic, if you've seen the video game, kind of M. Bison uniform. The weird thing, it's so, like, huge. Like, the the yeah. outfit is huge, and Raul Julia is also already, like, he looks horrible because he looks emaciated. He looks like he's dying, yeah. which he is. And he is wearing this giant, they were just like, put him in giant clothes. I don't know, <laughs> like a giant hat that, like, like just dwarfs his head like a small child. That'll look great. Um, it sets a template, though, that red is the color of evil in this movie. This is true. Everything evil is red. And then even his soldiers who are walking around his own base with <laughs> guns at the ready have red camo. Like, what is red camo <laughs> useful for? Yeah, Bison, he he has these hostages, um, and he's there's some soldiers. He's, like, taken over Shadaloo, which is this tiny little country in Southeast Asia, and he keeps goading all these soldiers into fights, but he, like, snaps their neck in one moves. I saw at the end that Benny the Jet Urquida is the legendary uh, fight coordinator right. for movies. He, he was in this movie, and he was a fight coordinator. I was like, no, the editor was the fight coordinator <laughs> for this movie. And now we meet our hero, Quote, unquote, hero. Colonel Guile. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is the commander of the AN. He's the leader of the Allied forces, I guess. And he's just casually, you know, he's he's a normal guy. He's just casually riding on the outside of a tank because he wants to be very covert. <laughs> and he has just this absolutely horrible orange hair. And right away, Jean-Claude Van Damme's complete lack of giving a fuck is so, so obvious. I mean, I... I want to say he gives less than zero fucks, but yeah. like that would be like you'd have to kind of work to do less than zero. Like zero is the right number. He's giving zero fucks. He's giving yes, <laughs> like he, can, he he could not give more or less fucks if he tried. And guess what? He's not going to try. 
There was not a second take in that whole shoot for him. Even though Colonel Guile, like all great men, hates the free press, is he really staring <laughs> at this journalist Chun Li who comes up? He's like, "I'm going to use the press. I'm going to use the press for the only thing they're good for: threatening people right. on live television." So he. Guile and Bison on live TV because uh, Bison kind of hacks into their feed and they just kind of gnash back and forth and make threats to each other. And uh, Bison makes a demand. So here's sort of your ticking clock now, which is he wants $20 billion in three days or the hostages. Who are these hostages? I don't know. But they're going to die. Yeah. They're going to die. We spend no time with the hostages anymore with that guile just says we're coming hostages we're coming but no this movie literally he points to a ticking clock that has 72 Absolutely. hours on it and if you're one of the hostages because you've already seen him just snap the necks of a bunch of you've seen bison snap the necks of a bunch of soldiers <laughs> you're just like don't take the full 72 hours don't feel like you have to take that don't feel like you have to go recruit a team and go through a whole yeah. thing like come right away like, come now. You have tanks. Wait, is that a tank that you're riding on? Come now. Like, come now. Like, no, it's okay. We're going to leave you in the hands of a known madman. We're coming, though. Um, and during this, whatever, M. Bison, he has captured someone by the name of Blanca. Blanca. And he's going to just start doing some experiments on this Blanca guy. So here's, like, your Blanca origin story for all you Blanca fans. More journalism hatred. It was just fun. Jean-Claude Van Damme got $8 million to cheat on his wife and snort coke. He's like, can we also just undermine the free press? <laughs> just for fun? Like, like, what in the fuck? Now we go and we meet our other heroes. This is even heavier <sighs> quotes on heroes because, boy. The most hateable these people are in the movie. just the most boring. I mean, these guys are absolutely dreadful. Ken and Ryu. Ken and Ryu. And they are played by person... And other person. Who cares? They both, like, between them, they could not put together one personality. These guys, if they took all of their personality and pulled it, we're like, they... Ryu's acting is so bad, the movie cuts away from him several times in the middle of a line just to watch someone running. Because his line delivery is so awful. The guy who played Ryu played a Ryu sort of character in, like, Japanese commercials or something. So Capcom was like, obviously you're going to have this guy be Ryu, right? Oh, Capcom, wow. you guys are good at making movies. So anyway, we meet Ken and Ryu. They are, I don't know, what. how would you describe them? S uh, scammers? Grifters? Hustlers, hustlers, I guess? Knockabout guys? Yeah, so they're in Shadowloo. Unfunny, homoerotic <laughs> life partners. Stop. Their relationship is nothing on Sagat and, Sagat and Vegas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, or Sagat and Bison. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of passion between those two. But anyway, we meet Ken and Ryu. They're trying to sell guns to Sagat, who in this you know version is like a gangster, sort of, right? Like he's mm -hmm. running this club. He's, he's sort of head of the underworld. Um, and there's basically this is like a weapons deal gone bad. They're trying to sell toys to these gangsters, Ken and Ryu are. It, yeah, this is the kind of comedy bits in this movie where they realize that the guns are toys and there's a lot of boink, boink sound effects when they shoot them. And Sagat says a, a line, this is the kind of writing in this movie, he says, surely you're not afraid of your own weapons. Yes, yeah, they're weapons. Everybody would be scared of, I don't care if they're my weapons, you can still use them against me. <laughs> So <laughs> everybody's really sweaty oh, in this movie. Oh, yes. I mean, it was filmed in, like, Thailand and, and Australia for the most part. So they might have just really been sweaty and I'm, you know, maybe couldn't afford air conditioning. <laughs> couldn't afford a towel. Band. Uh, so anyway, Ken and Ryu get taken prisoner by Sagat. So then we go back to Blanca. Remember, Blanca is like a soldier who we find out is like, <laughs> you want to talk homoerotic. I mean, Guile. <laughs> He's got, like, videos that he watches, like, tenderly, like those dead wife kind of videos that people watch in movies, you know? <laughs> like, he tenderly watches it. But anyway, Blanca is captured, and now there's this doctor who is also a hostage who is experimenting on Blanca with... This is Dalsim. Yes, with DNA mutagens and anabolic plasmas. <laughs> Science... <laughs> it's just like put science words in there. Just put two science words. Who makes words. those bags that those are carried in? Because it says warning, DNA mutagens, anabolic byproducts or whatever. <laughs> Who You can't make money selling. There's not a lot 
of need for those oh, bags. Yeah. How many like evil laboratories are there in the world? I guess a lot. So their plan with Blanca is this Ludovico type of thing where they put him into this container, pump those drugs in there, and then show him footage of horrible things. And it made me, because like they show some of the footage that they're showing. There's a actual murder that happens. They, they execute someone with a gun to the back of the head. And I'm like, imagine kids in the theater watching this when they're like 11, 12. <laughs> and it was like that Willy Wonka boat ride where all the crazy shit is on the walls and they lop the head of the chicken off. This is an actual murder on screen. <laughs> so we go back to Ken and Ryu and now they're they're in this like kind of fighting venue that is run by Sagat, I guess. And uh Ryu is going to be forced to fight Vega. Uh and they kind of posture and there's a big kind of leading up to the fight kind of thing and they're both ready to go and then Quabamo Guile drives a tank right through the wall and comes out with the perfect quip, which is, you're all under arrest. <laughs> See how that's not no, a joke? <laughs> like, that's so not a, like, it's just him. He's just saying it. There, I mean, there, there, it. there was, uh, you're all about to be in a different kind of cage. Uh, there's, yes. I mean, there's, there's possibilities to go with. But, so much but I love on. how the good guy drives a tank through a wall, endangering the lives of hundreds. And this is not the only time he does this. Oh, no. That's his move. That's his kill move is drive a tank through the wall. Uh, and then, like, in the next scene, they're at, like, a meeting. And Colonel Guile is, like, leading this meeting. And then all of a sudden, somebody leaps up and tries to attack him. And he fights him off and knocks him down. And then just says, any other new business? You skipped over the best comedy bit, though. Good morning, Shadaloo. <laughs> oh, the radio DJ. <laughs> the agent Cronauer uh, of Shadaloo. Holy moly. So, Guile decides that he's going to recruit Ken and Ryu because he sees Ken and Ryu fighting with some of Sagat's guys because they were all taken prisoner. And he decides they're looking out gonna... the window at this prison riot and he's like, hey, right. who are those two men? And it's like, which two men are you talking about? There's hundreds out there knifing each other. <laughs> Oh, that's Ken and Ryu, uh, But sir. they don't want to go undercover. Ken and Ryu don't want to go undercover because they're rogues. Um, but he's not going to let them leave if they don't. So uh, bad idea to put all the quips in, in Jean-Claude Van Damme's basket, too. I mean, nobody, no one in this movie is good at quips. But you want to talk about lacking a sort of delicate comedic touch? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Van Damme. So, yeah, now we go to uh, – they're, they're transferring the prisoners. And Ken and Ryu stage a daring escape, take over the truck – they're driving everywhere. Uh, Guile, uh, they seem to gun down Guile right in the street there. He's dead yeah. right in the street. And they you just... know that this is all a setup. This was the plan because the way you know this is because when he enlists them to do this, he goes, here, this is my plan. And then they cut away from it. So you know, oh, there's a dipsy doodle coming. They shoot down right. Guile. He dies. But in the course of this, several hundred people were put at risk. There were bullets flying everywhere, real bullets, because we see the bullet trails on boxes where bystanders are. Yeah, right. His own no. men almost get run over, all to just put Ken and Ryu in the presence of Sagat. So we go back to Bison. It's weird. Bison is in this movie so much more than yep. Guile, which is not necessarily what you would have expected uh, coming into this movie, but there's a lot more Bison, which is good because... Raul Julius, have a lot more. I was into every Raul Julius scene, but uh, again, the 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 dialogue is so lame. There's like, so we go to his underground lair, which is like underneath this temple, and in the lair, he's talking about his plans to. He just basically monologues about like how he's going to create this new city of Bisonopolis, which I was wondering if that's where Nippolopolis is located. (laughs) Norbert, shout out. That were the native of hey. Um, and now he's going to create mutant super soldiers to take over the world, basically. But he's looking at this model of Shadaloo, and he just says, "But there's nowhere to put the food court." <laughs> so, do you see? That's not a fucking joke. It's not a joke. No. It just uh, it makes me think of like like the Geico caveman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing the Geico caveman says is a joke. No. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it's a caveman saying it. Yeah. It's terrible. And we see a book in a taxi. What does the book say? Shadaloo on $25 a day. Wah-wah. Hey, hey. Still not a joke. Uh, Chun-Li now. Chun-Li. She's the uh, world famous reporter Chun-Li is now dressed as a ninja to go and investigate. This, this part makes no sense. 
But Chun Li's assistants are. She breaks into AN basically. Yes. Yeah, right. She breaks into the AN. <laughs> there's a <laughs> morgue. A serious offense. On site morgue. Right. On site. I mean, that's convenient <laughs> if your people die a lot. <laughs> there's also seems to be like just body parts kept in formaldehyde sitting around. <laughs> It's right. like a morgue slash chop They have shop. their own evil lab. Like, it's just, um, but yeah, she finds Guile who comes alive and immediately is like quips. He's just like, you're a corpse. He's, like, he is. Already what, the, what the fuck is this scene? Like he's just laying there. Was he waiting there the whole time for just Chun-Li? Know. Or did he just wake up as she came in? Because he does not seem surprised to see a ninja who was interviewing him. He is nonplussed. that day. It is just another day at the job. <laughs> Exactly how he drew it up. So Guile comes up at uh, uh, Chun-Li. He's like, get out of here, you, you filthy journalist. And she's like, well, no, I'm not just a journalist. I'm actually out for revenge. And at a second, he's like, well, mm, he kind of hems and haws a little bit. That's way better I than being a journalist. That. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm on, your, I'm on there a little bit. Um, but finally, he still kicks her to the curb. We now cut back to Bison, who is having a, sort of like a military weaponry bazaar. Yeah. <laughs> And there's also a command performance being given for Bison and his men by, I believe it was called the Baratelli Brothers Circus, which is Chud Lee at her news crew. <laughs> this, like, broke me. Yeah. This literally fucking broke me trying to figure out the logic of this. Because, like, the news thing is real. She was on TV. She was on TV around the world, and that was her crew. Those two men... Yes. The Polynesian man, who we will meet, Hawaiian Polynesian, and the black boxer, who we will meet. Agent Johnson from Die Hard. No, the other one. (laughs) But those two men were her TV crew. They were a cameraman, and they were in the goddamn news van, sending that signal all across the world. Now, they are illusionists. (laughs) In the Baratelli Brothers Circus, a fake circus. They have a logo. (laughs) They got a graphic designer. To come on and make a logo for their fake circus. And they're illusionists now. They're magician gymnasts. <laughs> this woman is <laughs> like, the Christian Amanpour of this world. Bison was watching her <laughs> earlier give reports. She really, that wasn't fake. Yeah. That wasn't fake. She really was on TV. She really is a world famous journalist. She's the world's most famous telejournalist ninja. Ooh, I could not, I, that, it, that what I whew, I couldn't even couldn't even. So anyway, they're performing now. They're just dark illusions. This is the Baratelli brothers, and there's talk about what about our explosive finale? Uh oh, what's that going to be? Uh, but she says not yet, not yet. Yeah. Finishes the performance and instead lures Ken and Ryu into her tent with implied promise of sex. She lures Ken. Ryu just happens to find that, that knows where that's Ken. We assume that that's... Uh, Ryu yeah. just knows that's where <laughs> Ken is. Yeah. Uh, but knocks them out and ties them up. Uh, and now we get the backstories of these other two guys who are who are news team slash fellow illusionists. Yeah, they get a sentence of backstory. Yeah, and one of them is a sumo wrestler. And one of them's a boxer. And basically, they both want revenge against Bison. Right. So let me ask you this. Did she become the journalist to get close to them? And then one guy said, I'm going to become a cameraman to try to get close to Bison. Because this woman's it, doing all this Bison reporting. And one says, I'm going to get really says, good at driving a news that- truck to get close to <laughs> Or did they talk about it and then all go into these special jobs and get hired at the same place? So she put out a Craigslist for like, hey. She was like, yeah, I need a news team slash revenge buddies. Uh, have you been harmed by this Southeast Asian dictator? <laughs> no fatties. <laughs> she got a fatty, though. As this is happening, we're cutting back and forth while while she's sort of explaining her backstory a little bit and how she was wronged by Bison and, what, and these guys were all wronged by Bison or Sagat. I, I couldn't figure it out. But Bison and Sagat are also having a falling out because Bison has this plan to have his own money and he's going to like take the Queen of England hostage to legitimize his own currency or something like that. Uh, and Sagat just said, you're insane, and they have this big falling out. Uh, Chun-Li, after this whole thing with Ken and Ryu, is just like, free to go? She just lets them go. And they just walk out. And it's an amazing scene where Ken and Ryu go like, wow, 
how could this get any worse? <laughs> and they find themselves like right in the middle of this giant Mexican standoff between like Bison Sen and Zagatsen. And like, oh, I cannot emphasize how bad Stephen E. D'Souza He's the wor- he's the worst. You have West Studi and Raul Julia sharing a scene. They're they're easily the two best actors in this movie, and you would not know that they were on the same set the same day or even saying the same script. There's another here's another great non joke where uh, I believe Sagat grabs Ken and says, "Are you with me or against me?" And Ken says, "Is that multiple choice?" <laughs> I mean, it is. It gave you two options. That's what that means. Ah. So Chun-Li decides, I'm going to warn Bison on my news report. Exposing who I am. Just for Bison? Or is this going out to everyone? I think it was. No idea. But yeah, she basically is like, hey, here's who I am. And now I'm going to blow you up. Down a hill towards you. Wait until the truck gets there to tell them because everyone's just like, oh my God, a truck's a ways away. It's down there a ways. So we could go, let's get out of the way. Yeah. Ah. Everyone gets out of the way and the truck explodes it's well short Here's of a thought. where everyone was. Don't the tell truck. him. Don't, don't let him know him. that he's you're about to blow don't up a stash. Don't put the bomb in a truck. Put it in the place where you're going to blow you up. Spent you spent 20 years whole- building this secret. Identity. This was your fucking plan. You did so good with the news crew. <laughs> you did great with that. And then this, you botched it. But that's why I was also like, was that part of the plan? Yeah. Because it also seems to, like it builds further trust between Ken and Ryu. Like Ken and Ryu are further embedded with Bison's people. Right. After this, because they were almost blown up in this explosion. Was that part of a plan to further that, or was it just an absolutely horribly executed plan of revenge? <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. Because otherwise, why would she kidnap Ken and Ryu? Like, they have no part in this it whatsoever makes, in her plan to baffling. blow them up with a, a van bomb. Blew up her own news van, too. Right? You can't go back to that gig. Right? Thank God you've got the circus to fall back on. <laughs> But Mr. Baratelli's going to be a man, though. <laughs> but then uh, Guile says that instead what they're going to do is make a very daring amphibious uh, <laughs> attack. And, and forcing John Clan <laughs> damn to say amphibious is pretty fucked up. Of Stephen E. D'Souza, how can you do that to the man? He's got some dignity. Uh, but yeah, they're going to make this daring amphibious attack instead. At which point, the one person who speaks English worse than Jean-Claude Van Damme gets up and says, to do that, the pilot will have to be out of their mind. And Jean-Claude Van Damme replies, luckily, Bison has driven me crazy, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) It's like, holy fuck. Get it? It's driven me crazy. Oh. Guile gets a visit from... The AN. Ugh. The a- leaders at the AN. Corky. Are they snooty? Well, they're British, Dan. Uh, oh, no. They pull up in a jag. Uh, Does he have glasses? He has glasses. Does he turn his nose he's up wearing a suit. at things? I love this scene because he, he's the AN higher up, and he says, we've negotiated with Bison. Yeah. We are going to deliver the $200 billion or whatever, $20 billion. <laughs> And by the way, you're fired, Guile. Yeah. You're out of here, but go talk to the men first. I've just fired you. Yeah. Yeah. You're out. You're relieved of your command. I've sold all you guys out. I've sold everybody out. We were now negotiating with terrorists. <laughs> go talk to your men. At which point, Guile makes, of course, an inspiring speech in which he basically orders a military coup. <laughs> exactly. And tells them. We're going to go rogue. We're going to steal all of this military equipment, and we're just going to go out and kill Bison and, you know, whoever the hell gets in our way. I love when Van Damme... Uh, which they love that. The soldiers are really into that. That's Van Damme keeps coming back to that line, but I could go home. But they say go home. He keeps coming. I'm going to get to my boat. I'm going to go up the river and kick that son of bitch Bison ass so hard. <laughs> So now we go back to Chun Li, who is now prisoner of Guile. They were everyone was captured following this 
stupid. This is where they bone. do that computer screen now exposition where it's just a computer screen showing you the, the identities and that they all are <laughs> go up to the secret base. Chun-Li is now wearing the uh, recognizable dress from the game and she's up in Bison's little lounge. This is a little Austin Powers this room. This gross. This was gross. I mean, like, there's some implied uh, attempted. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, she's a prisoner of war, right? Yeah. He puts her in a sexy outfit, comes up to her room, and starts playing, like, boudoir music. He, he's wearing shit. a robe, but it's still the M. Bison robe, so it has shoulder pads. I love seeing a robe with shoulder pads. <laughs> and, yeah, he never overtly attempts to have sex no. with her. But later on, he says, you, rebu- you rebuffed me. Yeah. She attacks him and seems to almost get the better of him, but. Everybody else attacks them also at the same time. Everyone busts into the room at the same time and they all kind of fuck it up. And there's this amazing thing where Bison slips off into this kind of like secret, this little uh, hidden room kind of thing where he can see them from behind glass and then pushes a button. And there's this like underhead shot of of, uh, Honda, the sumo wrestler, and you can see gas coming out. And he's just like looking around and then sniffs and then says, It's gas! He saw it and sold it and then took a few seconds to process. See, I can tell you really, really didn't like this movie because this you completely skipped over the part with M. Bison's immortal line. I mean, the, the one that everybody quotes from this movie. The, I don't remember, for me, the day that Bison graced your village was the best day of your – most important day of your life. But for me, it was just a Tuesday. Like he – What? You, you didn't catch that? She no. gives her backstory of how he came in on a Tuesday and murdered her father and ruined her life, and she's devoted her life to. And he's and he's like, I'm sorry, I don't remember. He's mixing he's mixing his drinks. Oh, I get. He calls you, it like you, a, like his little Bison Rita. He's got his little mixed drinks, and he walks over. <laughs> I don't remember the day that Bison graced your village was the most important day. to me. It was just a Tuesday. It's fucking cold blooded, and Raul Julia's got the gravitas <laughs> to deliver it. No, he doesn't. I'm sorry. No. See, I had fun with it. I, you were mortified by this movie, but I had fun with it. Um, I also like this movie is. There, it's hard. It's hard. To there get are through, several moments in this movie when it's so cheap, like when Blanca goes into his little cryo containment thing, when Bison goes into this little <laughs> thing to hide, when Ken and Ryu climb the steel stairs. The props shake. They're so cheap. Yes. <laughs> the yes, shit shakes. Do. And I just was laughing that grown <laughs> adults had to stand there and pretend like this thing isn't just visibly shaking in front of me. We agree that it is poorly made. Um, so we're on the boat ride now. This is where Kyle watches videos of him and Blanca. <laughs> They're on this really like they left on the boat ride and then they went back to like to Gun Lee, Chun Lee, and Guile and all that stuff. And we go back to Gal and it's like, well, they're still on the freaking boat yeah. ride. They're still riding there. And it's just like, so they put on some music. And while everyone's grooving to music, Guile secretly watches videos of him and Blanca. That's hilarious. It's so <laughs> it's fucking amazing funny. stuff. Oh, fuck. Then we go back to the lab and the, the evil, the, well, he's not an evil scientist. He's a captive scientist, yeah. I guess. And he secretly... Halfway through Guile's treatment, he flips the videos from bad things <laughs> to good things. Martin Luther King, a child, a black family's wedding. <laughs> Those play on the loop. And you know that it's good things because the meter goes from red now to blue. And that shows his progress. I know, right? Like, why, why did you even build in a setting to track goodness? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, in case we want to make people good. Yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) That's that's an unnecessary setting. So there's now less than one hour left until something happens. It's not clear. Um, Hostages are going to die, I guess. Um, But, yeah, the boats are coming up now. Uh Uh-oh, stealth mode compromised. Prepare for attack mode. There's a lot of modes. But, uh, yeah, they're coming in like if invisible things and bison scrambles it so you can see the boats but guile undaunted says this is the collection agency bison your ass is six months overdue and it's mine <laughs> <laughs> the last and it's mine is like you feel that was a actor decision by claude indian um, but yeah, Guile and his troops basically fight their way into the temple. Blanca finishes his treatment, sort of, but he's half good, half bad. 
So at first he attacks Gao. He's like a green monster, is like which is what Blanca is in the game. Green monster with orange hair. But instead, Guile is able to be like, it's me, it's me. And Blanca kind of backs off, and the scientist steps in and explains everything. Um, Guile prepares to murder his friend in cold yeah. blood. This is the hero of the movie. The, he was just ready to shoot this guy in the head like it's old freaking yeller. He was watching memory tapes of him and Charlie you on a date. Tra- I don't know why they were filming them on a date. <laughs> He's watching memory tapes, and then now, if the second Charlie's not who Charlie used to be, he's about to get him right there. <laughs> like, here you go, right in the head. This is for you, Charlie. But the lab guy steps in and is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's half – he's part human. He has capacity for good or something like that. One thing we didn't mention was that the plan for, for this attack on Bison's base was that the whole fleet was going to attack from the north, and he was going to be in the boat <laughs> and create a, distur- uh, a disturbance, right? He was figured out before he approached. Remember this, because he was figured out, and now he's in the base, <laughs> fucking around. The distraction must have needed to take four hours. Like, right. where's the rest of the fleet? <laughs> so Bison is about to, but he makes a speech to the hostages, and he's ready to kill them all. But instead, who leaps out of the mutation chamber? It's Guile! This flying jump kick is amazing. So good. It looks like Evil Knievel Just- over the barrels at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> he seals off the hostages. Hostages are presumably safe. Uh, and following just some r- really brutally chaotic action that is makes no sense, we get to another standoff. And finally, uh, we're at a standoff between Guile's men and Bison's men. Bison's in hiding, though, and Guile kind of goads him out. Honda and Zangief have a real guttural battle. It's just kind of like... And there's actually like Godzilla noises going on at one point. Like, like monster noises. He body slams him through a collapsible floor in the middle of Bison's lair. (laughs) So as we said before, this this big final showdown between... Bison and uh, Guile is just all about editing, like spin around and we'll cut it on the spin, you know, as though you just got punched or something like that. Like it's, it's really, really choppy, choppy stuff. Um, we go back to the boxer. We we didn't talk about the boxer who now has boxing clubs. Yeah, oh yeah, well, he's he brought to this military invasion. <laughs> he's like I have boxing punch those now. bullets Bison has uh, also the deadline stopped the countdown stopped and he's like they didn't come for you they've sacrificed right. you I'm going to murder you meanwhile the north invasion fleet still hasn't showed up so the plan was for them to come after the deadline <laughs> and all the hostages were murdered I know right uh, it was that speech <laughs> he had to make that speech about not going home so Bison gets kicked onto a control panel and gets ex- electrocuted oh, yeah. and seemingly yeah. dies. However, he, he is brought back to life by like this internal life support system that like pumps his heart and stuff like that, which is actually kind of a cool idea. We see Va- Van Damme has an American flag um, tattoo on his bicep because, of course, this Belgian man is from the U.S. He talks to Kylie Minogue on the radio and he my says, uh, I'm half great. dead. He looks no different than he's looked all movie long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Which is half dead. Um, but says that Bison is always the way dead. But he's brought back by this life support system. And Gu- uh, Bison now shocks Guile with like blue, you know, electrical special effects. Um, meanwhile, everything is like, you know, everything's going to shit around. Oh, the that's right. There's DJ. DJ. We haven't talked about DJ, who is right. Bison's sassy black friend. <laughs> and uh he's like skipping out on uh on bison and he's just trying to take all of the he has like a big chest of money and he's trying to abscond with it and get out of there and as he's leaving we get one of as you said one of the many 80 yard quote-unquote punchlines to a non-joke in this movie where he just says i should have stayed at microsoft <laughs> So we finally, finally right. get the Ryu Vega fight. Vega, of course, is the dude who has like if in the game who has like the mask and he has sort of a Wolverine claw, yeah, kind of a thing. He uh, wears Thomas he's... Jefferson pants. That's right, he does. <laughs> um, so they fight. Vega dies. 
it does not make sense how because apparently this movie got an R rating on the first cut and they had to cut oh, wow. a ton of violence that everything out of it. So you don't. It's hard to tell exactly how Ryu or how Vega dies, but he basically his uh, claw falls off and he falls on top of the claw. You just can't really. I didn't even catch it. So fucking poorly edited in the movie, you really don't know we what's see, going on. We there. see the stunt double for Ken do the up punch that uh, he's famous for in the game, right? And then this is where we're seeing Raul Julia do all the wire work because he's literally flying. <laughs> he is flying. Calling himself he a is, god. He has hover shoes. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is. And he's just flying back, just doing wire flies at Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is easily defensible, apparently, because it does nothing. Absolutely. And finally flies in uh, at the very end, and Guile triple kicks him. <laughs> well, it's it's a in midair, which it's a kick film from three different angles that they show <laughs> each shot. <laughs> kicks him, but he kicks him into this bank of TVs, which causes this big explosion, and and Guile has to do like a kind of a rolling move to dodge the explosion, we, and uh, yet another ADR punchline says Bison. You're off the air. <laughs> There's a shot of his feet running away, and you hear bison. You're off the air. I guess his feet quipped that time. I don't know. But the he kicks him into TVs, and the fucking place erupts. It explodes. Like what was in those TVs? Those TVs wow, run on yeah, gasoline. Seriously, something was that was an accident waiting to happen right there. So after a couple of really derpy, derp, 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 derp ass jokes, uh, Zangief, the Mohawk guy, the the henchman, yeah. Saves everybody from the collapsing explosion. Blanca decides, I will die now. Heroically, we'll just commit suicide. And the scientist is like, you know what? I'm there with you. I'm just going to sit here and die in the rubble with you. Weren't you just talking about how this guy shouldn't die and that he was human and part human? It's like, no, I have a monstrosity. I'm different than normals. I'm not as beautiful as Kylie Minogue and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, DJ and Sagat escape with a chest full of money everyone else gets out except for guile oh my god they lost guile oh wait no they didn't there he is hey and it turns out the money in dj's case was all bison but did they give a shot of it fake bison because i saw the reaction but i didn't see the shot of the money a a very brief shot okay again yeah (laughs) there's a lot of elements to doing something funny in a movie or making a moment land or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's the actors are doing it and the camera works doing it. The editing's doing it. I mean, it's a whole thing and it's all coordinated by the director and my God, my God, is he so freaking bad at it? So we finally get the final shot, which is a freeze frame of everyone punch leaping into the air, except for Kylie Badogue, whose move is to just turn around and show her, look over her shoulder and show her ass. She's do, yeah, she's doing the Adina Howard. I feel like that was JCVD's idea. <laughs> what if your move was just showing your simpatico ass? <laughs> show the money maker. <laughs> That's it. And then we get the credit for Raul oh, via Condi. That hurt. That really did. Really did. And then we get the radio DJ who has been kind of popping in throughout. Uh, he really dominates the closing credits with all of his shtick. Absolutely brutal jokes. The Dion and Hammer song, not number one in the credits. Number two in the credits. Oh, really? I didn't stick yeah, around that Yeah, that was long. not the lead. <laughs> so, ouch. Ouch to, ouch to Dion. And the post credit scene. post credit scene? Yeah, post credit scene. Bison returns. What? Y- you see all this wreckage. Did you not watch No, this? I did not stick around. There's a post credit scene, yeah. There's all this wreckage of the the base underneath the temple, and you just start to hear kind of whirring noises. You hear this kind of mechanical voice start to kind of gain a little power. Resetting, resetting, resetting. Uh, and then finally gains more strength and more strength, and all of a sudden out of the rubble, kaboosh, comes Bison's gloved hand, and then there's a close-up of a button that says, World domination replay, and he presses the button. Video uh, game reference. Yeah, I think that's really kind of tacky with Raúl passing is before unbelievably the movie tacky. How about for Raúl via Contios? <laughs> that was tacky enough. <laughs> then you're just like, yeah, let's tease that he's alive still. So that's the movie. It is called Street Fighter. It was, <laughs> it was certainly an experience. It's a movie that I think we agree about in a lot of ways, except for how much fun we had. Yes, I think definitely. 
Any final thoughts before we give our ratings? Final thoughts. I was not ready for the Zangief redemption story. Uh, that that was shocking. It was emotional at that time. <laughs> uh, I, I think this movie dipped in the middle. Well, I was having fun at the beginning, and then in the middle, I'm like, oh, God, this is really... And then at the end, I'm like, okay, the banana's batshit craziness is back again. <laughs> it's so cheap. It's 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 poorly written, poorly acted, poorly directed, poorly designed. Um, you got to have fun with it if, if you're going to enjoy I could tell you did not enjoy it at all. Just, just in discussing it, it seemed like an, a chore. Oh, absolutely. It was a chore. Yeah, like I said, it's it's unbelievably bad filmmaking. If you have any kind of purist sensibilities, it is uh, unbelievably offensive. Um, and it's just a bad movie. And it's just it's really upsetting to see Raul Julia wasting away kind of right in front of your eyes and in service of something so bad. And he's the only one giving any kind of fucking a, a, a fuck anyway and just out of pure professionalism on his part. You know, he's swinging on ropes. He's swinging on wires. The thing that I, I'm kind of buoyed by with that, though, is because he told his kids, like he gave his kids the options, like what movie should I do? He knew he was dying. He's like, what movie should I do next? And they really like Street Fighter. So they picked that. And him doing that as kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this movie for my kids, but not only that, I'm going to make it like an indelible performance. He knew what he was in. He knew what he was doing and he went for it, you know, which God, it's like the, the, it's this gross, gross uh, comparison, but like the, the band playing as a Titanic goes down, you know, he's like, this is the last thing I can do. I love doing this. I'm going to give it my all in this, but it pisses me off knowing that Van Damme couldn't even come to set some days because he's coked out and wants to work out. And yeah, so I, again, I, I love, I love Raul and I admire what he's doing here. A couple of rebuttals to what you were saying. First of all, he was actually working on, he was supposed to appear in Desperado uh, after this movie. So he was still at least planning on, making more movies. And second of all, the whole, oh, I did this for my kids line is a classic PR for... I'm in a bad piece of shit movie that you're just like, yeah, this is for my kids. Just like, leave the kids out of this. Okay? (laughs) Like, (laughs) they're kids, for God's sakes. Let them be. Let them be. You made the damn movie. You know what I mean? Uh, He cashed in. Maybe he didn't know that he was dying and was like i want to cash in but i don't know he's coming off the adam stanley movies those weren't exactly like right they were good but that's why i would believe it because it's like you just you came off two big hits you didn't have to do this movie even if you you can pretend like your kid didn't understand no you know what daddy doesn't want to do that one (laughs) so rating corky to remind everyone of our unique rating system run of the mill bad film we give a dare next level bad Double Dare and a tru- truly atrocious movie. We give a reverse dare. What do you give to Stephen E. De Souza's Street Fighter? I'm full on reverse dare. Uh, enthusiastic reverse dare. I had fun. I uh, enjoyed what I was doing while watching it. it it's so bad. It, it's truly one of the so bad. It's good movies for me. There's not one part of this that's. Outside of Raul Julia, there's not one part of this that's good. It, that's how bad it is. And yet it doesn't – it wasn't Megaforce where it was just not one part is good, but you can't enjoy how bad it is because it's so dull and dreary. This had sparks. I, I do think the second half got crazier and better. So, uh, yeah, reverse dare. I, I, I go out and have fun with this. I will watch Megaforce every day of the week and twice on Sunday before I ever watch uh, any of this movie again. Street Fighter, absolutely, absolutely abysmal. Hard to watch or listen to. Um, Truly, truly atrocious. And the truly atrocious movies do get quirky. The Double Dare. So that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. And if you pay, it'll go to the front of the line. You know it. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's what you call your schmeed. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app. You know what? Like and rate us on your top three podcast apps. I want to hear your top three. Yeah. Read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, 
you're quarantined, you're in place, but you're still doing comedy, right? Hopefully everything is back to normal by the time you're listening to this. Check me out online. Check me out at Sacramento Comedy Spot. Also, I want to say a shout out to the uh, I Watch This Movie Podcast and the Playable Characters Podcast, two podcasts I recently appeared on and uh, had fun with. Well, that sounds fun. Everybody do what Quirky just said. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Quirky McDonald saying, I'm going to kick that son of bitch bison ass. You're off air, Daniel. Well, I'm the repo man. And your ass is due. And it's mine. (laughs) My ass. (laughs) Shake the (laughs) moneymaker. Bye, everybody.